Welcome to a special Advent edition of Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. Good morning, honey. It's time for Chasing the Word here on Compassion Radio. And this week we jump into the season of Advent. I love it so much because we get to talk about the coming of our Lord and how the church around the world celebrates. And does together. No matter what your Christian tradition is, people approach the season of Christmas with an expectation that God's going to reveal himself in special ways and that we get to celebrate together in ways that honor God but also warm the heart. Advent tradition goes back all the way to the very beginning. We have chosen this particular year on our Monday morning programs to do Chasing the Word focused on something that is very familiar to Christianity, but is not real common with the evangelical tradition. It's called the Book of Common Prayer. I grew up not knowing what that was, not understanding a lot about Advent. We, over the last few years, have decided that this is going to be an integral part of the way we celebrate this season. So Advent is the revealing, it's the opening, it's the bringing forth something that is now revealed. Mm -hmm. So the idea of Advent is that we would all together get it. By the time Advent season is over, we would know what it's all about. It reveals Jesus. That's what it comes down to. The Book of Common Prayer is a collection of writings that was assembled by the Anglican Church. Now, why it's so important for America is before there was a lot of evangelical traditions, there was the Church of England. Most, if not all, of the colonies of America were founded by people who came from that tradition. For most people that migrated to America, they would know what this Book of Common Prayer was. Mm -hmm. They followed the lectionary that went through all these scriptures over a three-year period that helped them understand what the entire counsel of the Word of God had to say. Mm -hmm. And they had a very specific chapter in that course of study, which was focused on the revealing of Jesus and why he was important, why we even have a religion called Christianity. It was a very common thing for people to pray through these things Mm -hmm. during the season that led up to Christmas. So our founding fathers knew this. Most modern evangelicals wouldn't have experienced or been participants in this particular tradition, but it really is at the founding of our nation that this was done this way, Mm -hmm. and that the story of Jesus was told in such a way that brought together not just the historical aspect of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, but that he was revealed over the course of Scripture from the prophets, Mm -hmm. from the epistles, from the Gospels. We would hear the entire counsel of God's Word about why Jesus is who he is. Many of us have adopted a tradition of writing out scripture, and Mm. there's a website that I had found years ago that was a monthly program, basically, of writing out scripture. It gave you daily readings, Mm -hmm. almost like a daily devotional kind of thing. To prompt you to write it back to God. Yeah, Yeah, and that is, in my view, when I look at the Book of Common Prayer, I see that happening in that book, the lectionary, it's called. And there's a daily scripture that you read. And over the course of three years, you read through the entire Bible. You're getting the full counsel of scripture there. You're you're getting the whole picture and taking a deep dive into the word of God. I love having that laid out for me because I would get confused sometimes like, okay, what month am I on? What scripture, you know, everything. (laughs) But it's just really easy to follow. And I like that we can look at this and here's the scriptures that are going to take us on a journey to get to the birth of Jesus. So whether you were raised in an evangelical tradition like Baptist or Pentecostalism or Assemblies of God, 
which are more modern iterations of the Christian faith, or whether you were raised in more mainline traditions like Lutheran or Episcopal, or some other kind of faith tradition. What's valuable is that all the traditions have their own ways of doing things, and the word for that technically is liturgy, how we go about worshiping God and expressing ourselves to him and letting him speak to us. So the Advent season was the season of revealing. This is the season where God shows himself for what he is and who he is. He tells a new story that we've never heard before. I think many evangelical traditions are at the point of saying, you know what? This tradition is something that is valuable to all of us. We don't want to lose this through the prophets, through the Psalms, through the epistles, and through the Gospels, and find a way to understand him better than ever. So this is week one. And what is week one about and why we focus on the people that we focus on? Well, each week during Advent, we light a candle to represent some aspect of scripture that we're going to be studying or we're going to be reading through. And this week is the prophet's Mm. candle. And the prophet's candle remind us that Jesus' story started way before Jesus showed up on the scene in human form. As a human being, for sure. We see the stories that are being told through the prophets leading up to the birth of Jesus. The word Advent, like you said, is derived from a Latin word called Adventus. We talk about the prophets that foretold of the birth of Jesus. David in the Psalms talked about the suffering king that would save us and that would sit at the right hand of the Father. Isaiah talks about the man of sorrows who bore our burdens and who came as a child. We understand now that he was, but not because it was easy. He was worthy to settle the score with Satan, quite Hmm. literally, and make a way for us to have eternal relationship with God. And that, for me, is the power of this gospel story. This week, we honor the prophets and their sacrifice in getting the message out. There's a lectionary that covers all four of those aspects of the story week to week. The prophets, the Psalms, the epistles, and the gospels. And we don't have enough time on the programs that we do to cover all of them. But we will highlight the prophets or the first reading, and the Gospels. And we're going to start with the very first reading, which comes from Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. So we'll have this list and links to those scriptures available to you on our website at CompassionRadio.com. So if you want to dig deeper into this, there's a sheet for you to download if you'd like to that will help you go through this with your own family or your friends. The first reading is from Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 9. If only you would tear open the heavens and come down, Mountains would quake before you, like fire igniting brushwood or making water boil. If you would make your name known to your enemies, the nations would tremble in your presence. When you accomplished wonders beyond all our expectations, when you came down, mountains quaked before you. From ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God but you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You look after those who gladly do right. They will praise you for your ways. But you were angry when we sinned. You hid yourself when we did wrong. We have all become like the unclean. All our righteous deeds are like soiled rags. All of us wither like a leaf. Our sins, like the wind, carry us away. No one calls on your name. No one bothers to hold on to you, for you have hidden yourself from us and have handed us over to our sin. But now, Lord, you are our Father. 
We are the clay, and you are our potter. All of us are the work of your hand. Don't rage so fiercely, Lord. Don't hold our sins against us forever. But gaze now on your people, all of us. In the voice translation, the commentary says the prophet is convinced that there is no hope apart from God's decisive action. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us have probably at some time in our lives felt like, what's the point? Why do we even go on? Because it seems like there's no peace to be found on this earth. Yeah. I think all of the world is feeling that way right now with the ongoing violence in the Middle East, Ukraine and Russia, other parts of the world that are just erupting and persisting in violence. Yeah. At a time when all people seem to want and all they cry for is simply peace. Mm. It's been going on for a long time. So why do we even try or even desire at this point to hope for a peacemaker, a king who can bring peace, a prince of peace? Why do we even assume that it's possible? Mm. That's a big question I think every generation has had to face. Why bother if it's always going to be this way? We got to wrestle with that question. Why God would send his son to be the Prince of Peace? I don't know that there is a blanket answer for that. I believe that in each of us, we have to figure out why we should bother. Looking at the extreme measures that God went to, to have relationship with me, with us, humanity, by coming in human form. Mm -hmm. The prophet Isaiah is saying, why bother? You know, it's it's hopeless. It feels like the end is near. There's just dread all around us. But then he says, you are our father. Yeah. We're taught in scripture that a good father gives good things to their children. And that's what we have in God, a good father. Yes, he gets upset with his children for their behaviors, But he still loves his children, and he molds us and shapes us like the potter into beautiful objects of usefulness for his kingdom and for our own lives so that we can pour out ourselves to others. Isaiah is trying to turn a corner here. He's trying to say (laughs) there is hope because I'm still moldable clay. The potter is still working this clay and making it into something beautiful. He's sending help. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time business hours at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone, no matter where you are. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. There is hope because I'm still moldable clay. The potter is still working this clay and making it into something beautiful. He's sending help. It's a good time to pivot to the very idea of what this week is about for Advent, which is we light the hope candle. 
And when Isaiah is speaking this prophecy, it seems almost hopeless because he acknowledges and speaks out that this is what's wrong with the world. Yeah. We're still saying this about this world, that this is wrong. There are plenty of scriptures that even in Isaiah say that he will rectify this. Mm-hmm. He will put to right that which is wrong. He will draw up all that is evil and put it away forever. Those promises are made. But for those who are stuck in the middle, that are not there yet, we're not at the end times yet. We wish they were the end times. We often preach that way, that this is the end times because we want it to be done with. But if it's not for 10 years or 100 years or 1,000 or 10,000 years, how are we going to live now? Yeah. That is the question that presents to us. And in the time of Jesus, the times that we're living in would have seemed like fiction, total fantasy, that humankind could be living thousands of years from now because they were living in such dire circumstances under fierce empires. And Israel itself had been broken to bits and pieces. And then this revelation comes. These promises suddenly come to fruit at a time that no one was expecting. And for us, it's in the past. For them, it was a sudden interruption in the ongoing suffering. Yes, there's lots of suffering in the world, even today. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, what did God do in Jesus? Did he really come to save? And if so, how did he reveal himself? And this is the first chapter. The prophets say that he will be present. He'll be imminent. He'll be with us. He'll be Emmanuel, God with us. Not that he has ended all things and then come to see us, but that he is with us in all things. And I think that need for us to acknowledge that God is imminent, that he's present, that he's right here with us in what we're going through is just as needed as it was for the people of the time of Jesus, the man walking this earth. Well, Isaiah is saying, when you break up in the heavens and come down, it is significant. It's an earthquake. It's a movement of the, of the, the world. The world's going to shake. Yeah. I remember when we were working through the Psalms and we did Psalm 18 was the very first one we did because it was significant for us. But it talks about how God tears open the sky and throws the clouds and rushes to our defense. Isaiah is asking God to do that. He's saying to God, remember when David prayed this prayer? Remember when these things were happening and he asked you for help? I'm doing that now. I'm going to be as bold as David was and pray these kind of prayers. And then the psalm reading is from Psalm 80, and it basically says the same thing. It's reminding God of his promises to meet us where we are and to come and be among us and to rescue us. When we say rescue us, we're talking about the present. Mm -hmm. We can't speak for all the generations to come after us, although we hope he will come to them as they need. But we're speaking about right now right here. Honey, let's jump to the gospel reading from the book of Mark. In Mark 13, 24 through 37, it says, But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, for the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. From the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. 
so also when you see these things take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when that time will come. It was like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Every time I hear Jesus preach these kind of sermons where he's talking about the distant future, it seems, he also seems to be speaking about something that's very, very urgent. Mm -hmm. And he's speaking to his generation about things that they will experience. But he's also speaking to our generation about things that we will experience. In both generations, he's speaking to things that we hope for. Jesus himself is being the prophet of what is to come, but also the revealer of what is. In both these scenes, the now and the future, Jesus is present. And Jesus is not stepping back saying, well, I don't know what's going to happen exactly, but uh, I don't know, you figure it out. Hmm. He's saying, I have not been revealed this myself right now, but I know that I know that I know that the Father knows. It's implied there. Jesus never talks about something his father says to him in terms of, I don't get it. I think he gets every word his father says to him. There's some things that he has been told, I'm not going to know in this lifetime while I'm walking this earth. Mm -hmm. So the word made flesh himself says, in some ways I'm kind of limited for this time, but I know who I am. I know what I'm about and I know why I'm sent to you. Mm -hmm. I know why he loves you. I know why you're worth saving. All of us seem to be ever-present in the Spirit and the reality in front of us of Jesus walking this earth. Well, he gives us some signposts along the way. And he reminds us that there are clues to the Father's heart. And he says, see the fig tree. The fig tree starts to sprout leaves. And you know what that means. You know the summer's coming. There are some things that we can look at in Scripture and we can say, these are the things that Jesus is talking about. These are the ways that Jesus is saying we should live. When you do these things, you please the Father. You see the Father. Those are not mysterious things. But they're mysterious to us in that God brings them to fruit when he wants to. My mom had a fig tree in her backyard. I could actually watch it bloom in the springtime and actually produce fruit. I don't know why the fig tree was so important to Jesus. I'm sure it has a lot of significance in the background of the history of Israel itself. Nonetheless, he uses that as a expression, an allegory. The Gospels also tell the story of Jesus condemning a fig tree that would not produce fruit. People look at Jesus and say, why are you telling that plant to die? It's not even time for its fruit to come out. Mm-hmm. Jesus is obviously making a point that there are some things that we should expect and some things we should not expect. We should not expect that God would do things that are not in his time. There are some things we should expect in hoping for the future that God is, in fact, able and capable of doing the things that he wants to do and not give up on that. 
So I would say, if anything, the prophets give us hope in that God will, at his timing, in his place, in his method, make happen what he intends to happen. And it's for our good. He's not trying to destroy us. He wants us to come be with him. So on this first week of Advent, we light the prophet's candle. The candle that reminds us that there is hope for us. There is hope that is coming. And in the words of Jesus, stay alert. Mm. Be aware. Watch for what's coming. Read the signs of the times. Friends, thank you so much for joining us for this first week of Advent. There's more coming, of course. On Fridays, we do special dramatic readings and storytelling, encapsulating the experience of those who were there at important parts in God's story that led to the Messiah. We invite you to join us tomorrow for the next Compassion Radio, and thanks so much for joining us today. It may not seem I have what it will take I fear that in the face of trial I'll break Any trouble's just a day away But Lord, I trust you Best and worst of days are yet to come Be glorified regardless of the cost Be magnified whether joy or loss Lord, I trust you
Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.